Welcome to What If But Good, a podcast about writing badly until you can write well. I'm your host, Peter Lundquist. I'm your host that laughs too loud, Evan Pugh. And I'm your taller host, Silas Robinson. Each season, the three of us go through the daunting task of attempting to write feature-length screenplays from scratch in just 16 weeks. Will we succeed? Will we fail? Will we give up writing and get really good at competitive Super Smash Brothers? There is only one way to find out. Listen in each week as we battle our writing demons, each other, and the sound of a buzzing refrigerator on... What What if if but but good? If you'd like to follow along with our rushed, unfinished pages each week, check us out at whatifbutgood.com and on all socials as whatifbutgood. What if but good do doers? <laughs> what if but good day to you? What if but good day to you, sir? Uh, week ten. Week ten. Oh golly. Oh week. man, that means we have less weeks ahead of us, and it's dawning on me. Well, fewer. Fewer. <laughs> <laughs> now that's what I call good writing. Um, yeah. So so kind of a kind of a, uh, a spinoff week. Um, yeah. We don't have any new pages. No. Nope. Uh, because uh, peek behind the curtain, we didn't record that long ago. And also, uh, some of us are a little sad this week. It's, <laughs> just it's, a little beat down. Just a little beat downtown. Yeah. yeah. It's been very gloomy in, uh, in Southern California the last uh, week or so. Yeah. yeah. A planet must be uh, behind another one. <laughs> uh, yeah, Capricorn is in Aries. And, uh, if you Aries, know what I mean. <laughs> <Aries loves it. laughs> Capricorn's in Uranus. Oh, boy. Rolling. It's a um. goat. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so we're... we're yeah, this week we, we we looked back over all of the previous pages we've shared and kind of looked at looked at it all all together and we're gonna we're gonna talk about kind of big picture stuff with the with the screenplays and then also uh, just kind of check in like we're at about the halfway point uh, screenplays are about half done and uh, you know we, we, we do do a little do a little halftime show <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah featuring beyonce yeah. Uh, this, I'm gonna steal a laugh from a funnier person here. Uh, I saw a picture of Taylor Swift uh, doing basically Beyonce's halftime show with mm. the marching band and everything. Yeah. Uh, and the caption to it was, "Now come on, ladies, let's reinstate segregation." <laughs> there was, I, I think I saw. I for a while I saw that there was like a meme going around where it was that image and, you know the the song the lyric from Formation which was like like. My mama was from Georgia, my dad Louisiana. You mixed it, you know, like, yeah. or I don't know if I got the states right, but some, some, couple it was, it was like, it's like my mother was from Philly, my father was from Philly. You mix <laughs> that Philly with that Philly. <laughs> uh, There's another good one, which was like, my dad a Trump supporter, my mama a right winger. You mix that racist with that privileged get a country singer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll get, we're getting a little off track, guys. A little off track. Uh, yeah. It's a halftime show. Yeah. Yeah. We, can, we can be a little fast and loose. Yeah. Exactly. This will all make the episode. Don't cut <laughs> any of it out. It's all gold. So, um, where, to, where to start? Yeah, so um, let's, uh, let's go counter... Let's go clockwise. Let's go counterclockwise from Pew. Okay. Uh, yeah? Yeah, so... so um, Why didn't I write this week? Well, well <laughs> we, we, can, we can get to that. I was going to yeah. start with the, the pages and, and, and oh, just yeah. kind of mixing it up a little bit. Instead of going through screenplay by screenplay, let's go through person by person. What, reading the two full-on yeah. screenplays, what were, what were your impressions? Um, well, I'll start with Peter's. Um, it was definitely felt a lot like a well-oiled machine, you know, of, of comedy. Um, mm. It's just, all the, everything had its place. And it, it surprised me a little bit more, you know, because like when reading it piecemeal, it was a lot less that the the callbacks and things kind of get forgotten, and the fact that like you you have in, like a small introduction to Miguel way at the beginning of the movie where you just kind of see him, I really liked that. Um, but yeah, it was um, it just felt like really solid writing already, um, and it just it was good. You know, um, I'm thanks, man. Yeah, and and with yours, it was just kind of like putting it all together, and, and the the size aspect of it, going from really really big to really really small, was what stuck out to me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you, you you basically start your pages with this massive world, mm-hmm. and then you like move it down to the manor, you know, and then down into the cave, and it's like things, it's like this massive funnel that's like catches on fire, and you just like flood in the water, um, and then you go up to ice. Ooh. Ooh. When does Earth come in? How about wind? <laughs> 
perhaps fire again? Uh, and the whole thing. It's Sep- hard front to back. <laughs> September. That's, that's when those elements. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah. So I, I really don't have much in, in the way of commentary for you guys, if only because it was kind of like um, just, just broad picture kind of thing. It was like just looking for whether or not I liked it, you know, and, and whether or not it made sense together, and it made sense together. Like, I was so worried that, like, especially yours, it was just like, you put those three, the, like, this triptych that just doesn't make sense together, right. you know, it's just like this Hieronymus Bosch painting of doom, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's all, that's, I would take that as a compliment, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, also more violent than I remembered, which was cool. Mm-hmm. It's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I don't remember, I, like, I think it was Xavier Curb Stomps in the hand. Like, yeah, he does. <laughs> or it's, it's uh, Yvonne. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, the, the, the things that make more sense now are the evolution of the monster. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it was, um, the guy that Xavier killed, Irvine, right? Mm-hmm. Killed in the beginning of the movie. Right. Um, and also the manor thing, uh, I didn't, I, I had glossed over how they got there and that they had created it. That was, that was, that's, a, new. that's new. Oh, okay. That was yeah, 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 yeah. I was, that was, I was reading that and I was like, wait a second, this... That, that makes more sense, actually. This is, It was a good note from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so that worked. Um, and I, it's it's still the only one little thing was it, like, introducing the monster and, like, having to go from Soren to Shimer Soren. Right. Or Timer Soren. And it's like, how do, how do you... How to do that without making it cheese ball? And right. It's like, and now he's a monster, and this right. is his monster name. You right. Know? Yeah, I mean, the monster name is, is for the benefit of the reader only, so they don't have to hear, like, a description every right, time yeah. he does a thing. Yep, exactly. The wolf with the human hands and the other spooky stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spooky wolf. Yeah. Um, that could be the name of it. Spooky wolf. Spooky wolf. Yeah. <laughs> that, that'll be uh, the sequel. Um, the legend of Spooky Wolf. But, yeah. I mean, I feel like you guys are on the right track, for sure. Um, I really didn't realize yours was already 70 pages. It is, and... and I have like less than ten paid scenes left in Act Two. Okay. Yeah. Like Do I. Do you feel like you're still in Act Two? Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that was kind of surprising to me, actually. I thought that uh, the death of uh, Veronica would be the yeah. end of Act Two. Yeah. And, uh, them going into the little hut thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's yeah. arcing really well right now. It's like... I mean, it's it's in that gray area, so it's like, are they in Act Three when they? meet Private Ryan? Like, is that the end of Act 2, or is that the beginning of Act 3? I see. They're, yeah. they're certainly in the final location. In, okay, in yeah. my mind, they're in Act 3 when uh, Flora decides what she needs to... Like, when she makes her big... When she crosses another threshold, and right. it's like, I am now gonna try something I haven't tried before. The consequences of which will be bigger than any of my previous decisions. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of arbitrarily in my head where I'm, yeah. I'm feeling like, okay, this is what I'm calling Act 3 now. Um, yeah. But they're, I mean, they're in the end. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I guess, you know, it's whatever bait sheet you use, it doesn't really matter. because Like, te- Wedding Crashers, Act 3 technically starts like 10 minutes before the end of a two-hour movie. Right? Oh, wow. If you count it by, you know, Owen Wilson deciding to go after uh, Regional Games yeah. and Vince Vaughn. It's, um, it's interesting. I feel like you always know when you're in Act 2. It's such a clear line. And I, I was actually thinking about this recently. I feel like the transition into Act 3 is often muddier. Yeah. 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 And, and usually, especially in longer movies, it's like, okay, well, Act 3 either is 10 minutes long or 40, depending <laughs> on when you call yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, I think uh, I read a... Dis- in, in writing movies for profit... They talk about how the last thirty pages, basically the the first third of the movie is you get someone likable stuck up a tree. Mm-hmm. Then the middle part is you throw rocks at the person in the tree, <laughs> and then the last part, which they say is like the last twenty or thirty pages, is he gets out of the tree or dies or dies <laughs> if it's Hamlet. You know? Yeah, spoiler alert for Hamlet. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert for something five hundred years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, to me, it feels like they haven't gotten. In, in that sense, they're not getting out of the tree yet. Yeah, they're they're like at the top of the tree, and they're like, ah, oh, well, we dropped all our apples. Right. <laughs> yeah, better get out of this tree. Yeah, I I think what, and I I don't quite know page length wise how this is going to shake out, but the the thinking is they go down into the village, they're like, oh, this isn't a solution, <laughs> and then 
they at that point they have a choice, which is we either live here now or we kill ourselves. <laughs> and then Act Three, in my mind, kind of begins when Flora is like, "There's actually a third thing I just thought of, and I'm gonna try it. And if it works, maybe." So remind me, their their whole goal is to get back to the temple, right, where they started. Yeah, I mean, their goal is to wake up, well, to yeah. just not be in the dream anymore. Yeah, yeah. And um, in in a earlier draft, it was it was stated pretty clearly, like, "Okay, we want to get back to the temple." Yeah. That's actually not in the story anymore. At, at this point, the stated, "This is our goal," is they once there's the big fire and they all get separated. There's a Victoria says like, "Okay, well, Yvonne is probably the only one of us who has enough." knowledge to like fix this problem so let's find Yvonne so the the goal the the larger goal is is wake up and the kind of micro goal for most of act two is find Yvonne Uh and Xavier and and then get the get the band back together so then we can figure out how to wake up and then that makes sense end of act two is we find Yvonne and he's like I don't fucking know (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't remember much these days oh that's a twist oh high tower surprise if you will oh boy um Okay, so uh, thanks, Evan. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so looking looking back over the two, um, you know, I, Peter, I I didn't notice a lot of new stuff in yours. There was very little. It was very little, and also I just mean like stuff I didn't notice the first time through reading it. Um, I think part of that is because you are uh, just structure is extremely important to your process, and so yeah. you, you I think have a very very clear sense of what each scene is trying to accomplish um down to like a, a very specific bullet point or bullet points so yeah. uh there's definitely not a lot of fat on it mm-hmm. um so it, it i i still really enjoy it um uh i still think it's funny um it it i definitely didn't you know i, I feel like the, the purpose of reading through the whole thing front to back is to kind of scan for uh like seams that don't line up or like wait a minute weren't they Weren't they, weren't they trying to trying to trying to honey bake that ham earlier? Like, wasn't that? Yeah. And then they kind of we sort of lose that thread. I don't, I don't really feel like there are things like that in music okay, at the moment. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and I think because you have just an extremely granular structure that you're you're working with, I think your challenges aren't really make the whole painting make sense. It's more like make individual scenes as polished as I can make them. Yeah. Saves a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I can talk for a second um, before we go into having the screenplay a little more uh, about what my challenges are, it's uh, I, I like, as you said, to like zoom in on the different puzzle pieces of the jigsaw, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I can get kind of lost occasionally when I try to pull out and I don't realize like which pieces are missing. Right. The one thing that I, there, there's like a couple like tone things like uh, Greg is still. You know, excited to get laid in the scene in the Panda Express, yeah. and I want to change that. I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah. But the one like missing piece is definitely like in Sammy's Act One, right? Before they like meet and interact for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about that. We've though. we talked yeah. about it, and, and that's and that's the thing. Like all of these pages that we're looking at, we've all received notes for every single one of them. Yeah. That's draft two stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. it's sort of funny to be like I've never I've never had this experience with notes where it's like a six month long process or a four month long process of like write and get notes and write and get notes. It's like, and not doing any of them, just (laughs) keeping this running list of like stuff to change next time around. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to keep track of all my notes. Yeah. Yeah. That's been the hardest part is like trying to keep track of everything. I'm just hoping that it synthesizes. I mean, like my subconscious does the right thing when I go back to write it again. Right. Uh, that's, That's why I always, I've just been, keeping every time i get notes with you guys I've, I've, I've been writing them down in my journal just to make sure that i can flip back and yeah, yeah. find the find them later i keep a google doc if you hear me tap tap tapping away on the audio <laughs> it's me typing up everything that they're saying yeah it's, that i think it's good right. <laughs> <laughs> um uh i i also i write down the stuff i think is bad and i get to cross it out <laughs> i don't do that um Evan, with the yeah. with yours, so you know, there there I didn't feel like there was uh, stuff that we haven't already talked about that yeah. like stood out, kind of similar to Peter's in that sense. The the one like the one kind of overarching yeah. piece that that definitely was sticking with me again when I was reading through it was um, 
the relationship between uh, Jordan and Rebecca. Uh-huh. We, as of right now, we, we really only see them interact. There's the very brief, like, hi, I'm Jordan at the party scene. Right, we see them basically meet, and then right. we see them five years later. Yeah, and then there's there's the, the one scene where he basically harasses her <laughs> she's like in the middle of like a job interview and he comes yeah. up and is like you're racist and jewish <laughs> um at the same time at the same time at the same time you're both um uh yeah and so i feel like and then and yeah then we cut back and they're like engaged and he still is terrible yeah um so I, and i think that that this that creates an interesting problem. Yeah. Because as far as we know, based on everything that we've seen, he has never done a single nice thing to her ever. Uh, so far, 100% of the things we've seen him do to her have been mean things. And that either... when So there's, really, there's only three possibilities. Either he's done lots of nice things off screen, uh-huh. which probably isn't going to occur to most audience members. Right. Two, he has done nothing but mean things to her this whole time, and therefore she must also be terrible uh-huh. because she has apparently enjoyed his company for the past five years. Right. So it definitely doesn't reflect well on her that she's with this guy because I think pretty much everybody is going to hate him by the time we get to Act 2. Um, I mean, I think that's the intention. He's he's the villain. Yeah. Um, or the third thing is people are going to go, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. She's cool. Why would she be with this asshole? Right, yeah. And I think that, I don't think either of those possibilities are what you want at right. this point. Uh, I think we're supposed to be rooting for Rebecca. And I don't think... Uh, I just I don't think it's that likely that people are gonna sort of imagine a fond past with them that we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Really, how you how you resolve that Rubik's cube depends on what you want us to think about Rebecca and Jordan. Right. Going into the going into the deeper into the guts of it, but that to me felt like though that was the only thing that I read that stood out as like this. I don't think. I don't think this is working yet. I, right. I think that this is creating problems rather than solving okay. them. So that was kind of the one yeah. thing that, that occurred to me about that. But you know, otherwise, it's you know, it's just the, the stuff we talked about. Would flashbacks help? What? What again? It's, it's what happens in the flashbacks? Yeah. yeah. Is, is well, to like, to, to they show, have a good life? Yeah, to show that like it was at least good in the beginning, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of me feels like maybe that first part of them college ends too quickly. Yeah. That I was racing to have it hit that specific page mark, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. And so maybe I just need to expand that and see where it goes. Um, yeah. Because you're right. Like, like there, there is no justifiable reason why she, she would be with this guy unless she, too, is a shitty person. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's a few different directions you can go with it. Uh-huh. Um, because my my big issue so far with the screenplay, looking at it holistically, pulling back and you know yeah. getting out of binoculars, is uh, is Rebecca's character in general. Uh-huh. Um, because it, the other one would be Jordan, and then for me the third thing would be Rebecca and Jordan's relationship growing out of those right. two other things. Yeah. So like to stay on this topic for a little bit before I go into Rebecca more, I think it's like what you decide to make Jordan. Uh-huh. You know, because uh, right now he's just a prick with no redeeming qualities. Yeah, and you can keep him that way and make him like a Gaston in Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> where it's like he's a prick, but Rebecca feels like she doesn't have a choice, so she stays with him uh-huh. until she realizes there's another possibility. Right. You know, uh, and that's a flaw in her character, but it's not like an overwhelming flaw that she can't overcome. Right. right. If um, if anything, we we feel bad for her for being in that shitty situation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or you could make him like a conflicted complicated guy where he has good qualities and bad qualities yeah. and she's like I can change him you know which is also a common kind of flaw uh, mm-hmm. in, in the character um, yeah I think I think with Jordan's characterization I just took it too far a little bit hmm. um, pushed in one one direction too far um, 
but yeah, and I think that, that that's what's influencing Rebecca's character because it's yeah. her interactions with him, especially. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I feel like, yeah, I, I I agree with Peter, and I think that if the direction is make, I, I think that the the choice that affects the structure of the screenplay the least uh-huh. is giving him some dimension. Yeah. Because I think if you if you can keep him as sort of a Gaston character, that means that like you have to do a lot of changes in Act One in right. order to make that mesh. Versus if he if you make him a little bit more dimensional, I think it can kind of work as is. Yeah. Um. Because yeah. it's just it's not scanning that that he's supposed to be like a decent dude with a dickish tendencies. Right. Yeah. He's he's a he's a dick he's a dick mm-hmm. without the goodish tendencies. You know. Yeah. It's like. I glossed over that part, got too excited to write someone who's just an absolute asshole. <laughs> it is so awfully fun. fun. It's, <laughs> fun. <laughs> it's a real, real joy in the senses. My uh, favorite stuff to write is probably Aaron, the Aaron character, because yeah, yeah. he's just like the nicest guy in the world, but you can tell that he wasn't before the yeah. symbiotes, you know? And as soon as symbiotes are gone, he's going to be like, oh, fine, that could be a fucking asshole again. Yeah. Right. It's it's like the, the Jonah Hill character and This is the End, kind of. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so you got some other stuff to say about uh, having the screenplay, or should I start rambling? Uh, I was just going to say, the, the thing which occurs to me uh, is that that like, alumni event yeah. seems like a really interesting diversion point, because on paper, that's supposed to be a date. Yeah. She says to Steve, hey, my friend is drunk, I can't hang out, but I want to see you tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow. On the quad, on the quad. Okay, 2.30, 2.30. Boom. That's a date, baby. Yeah. They agreed on a place to meet and, and went off and did it later. So on paper, that should be the, like, the threshold which should be crossed there is now they're dating. It is a romance. They have begun to date. And Jordan, that is the moment when Jordan gets in the way. Right. So it seems like if you want to give Jordan a scene where he's actually a decent guy. Yeah. That would be the place, right? So instead of like, oh, I, you're you're a Jew, <laughs> which is what the current dialogue is. Uh, <laughs> like, if if the way that scene played out was he was like, hey, sorry about last night. Mm-hmm. I feel like I came across poorly, and that's something that I do a lot, and. Like, yeah. like if, if you kind of gave him something specific to apologize for and then have him, like, really nail the apology, yeah. then that's, now there's some conflict because we're like, okay, well, we know we want Rebecca and Steve to be together. Yeah. It's a romantic comedy. We're both on the poster. <laughs> uh, but now this, now, like, and, and, and we, well, we know Jordan is a fucking asshole. We've seen him, yeah. like, do all these things. But now he's kind of being okay. Yeah. And then if, when there's the five years later, then we're going to have a question in our head yeah. as opposed to something which is already answered. Right. And that that the question good. being like, is Jordan an asshole? Yeah. I can't really tell anymore. Yeah. And then that's something to, for us to wonder about, and that's like a, a conflict to okay. resolve in Act 2. Yeah. I, I think yeah. giving more time to that college stuff will help immensely with everything. And just, I feel like maybe the setup was rushed, you know? I mean, that's, that's kind yeah. of what it feels like. Where like there's just not much of an op- opportunity in what I have for them to like develop any more than they did. And I'm just like, okay, okay, I can fix that. That's, that's Act like One. That's, like, that's that's first draft shit, baby. Yeah, I'm like, like I'm yeah. like the handyman in holes. I can fix that. Right. <laughs> uh, Peter, yeah, yeah, go. Uh, to expand first on that, uh, I think if if you have only space or inclination for one more scene in the setup, here's what it should be. Okay. And I'm gonna give it to you, bad. But it's a. Uh, I just like saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the scene between uh, the dorm room scene with Jordan and Steve, and then the next day with uh, Steve, Rebecca, and Jordan. Yeah. I think there's a, a moment there where you can have several beats play out. I really like the changes you made to the dorm room scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they uh, made us understand Steve better. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, and kind of root for him more as well. Um, but I think that if if you have like a moment where it's the next morning or the next afternoon, and Jordan is like, "Hey, I'm sorry, I I'm an asshole when I drink," yeah. you know, and uh, then he uh, maybe like maybe the alumni events in the morning instead of the afternoon, and uh, like Jordan says, "Hey, 
how about this? Uh, or like Steve wakes up late and he's like, I'm not going to make it to my thing with Rebecca. Yeah. And Jordan's like, do you want me to go tell her? And Steve is like, no, you're just going to try to hit on her. And Jordan's like, no, 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 I'm your friend. I'm going to do the right thing. Yeah. And then he doesn't do the right thing for Steve, but he does the right thing for Rebecca. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm getting a little too specific, a little too granular here. Yeah. But I think having a scene where we see Steve and Jordan's relationship uh, and Jordan doing something different uh, than just being a prick, this is where it can be. And then it'll make more sense if he's nicer to Rebecca later. Yeah. Um, and now Rebecca. Uh, my issue okay we, we've talked about this before every character should want something even as simple as a glass of water that's yeah. what Kirk Vonnegut's rules of fiction um, Rebecca still to me I don't get like what right. she wants out of life right and I know she's supposed to be like a lost but she's soul. still gotta want something this is, this is something you brought up a yeah. while back yeah. yeah she's still gotta want something and we still have to at least have some kind of the scene with uh, with I think her name is Jane the the alumna yeah um, and then even later the scene with Lena and then later again the scene with Cosmo and Lena and, right. and Rebecca everyone asks her what do you want uh, like including I think her dad the scene where she's drawing a horse yeah. everyone's like what do you want and she's like oh I don't know yeah. every time yeah and it's okay for her to say it like the first time and have it be a realization like I don't know I don't know what I want right uh, but. Either play that up or make it something else to me, um, and and like, but, have yeah. it be four different things. I think is a better way. to yeah. exemplify this problem is that she doesn't know what she wants. Like it's it's less interesting if she just says I don't know than if she says four different things. Right. If up. she's like, oh, I want to be a baker. Oh, I want to be a graphic designer. Oh, I want to be a lion tamer. I want to be a linebacker. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, then then that communicates very clearly. Her problem isn't that she doesn't have ambition or talent. It's it's that she hasn't, and that's kind of the the runaway bride thing, where it's like she always becomes whatever guy she dates. Yeah. Um, and and we've we've talked about this before, and I and I think we are looking at unedited pages that you've already got notes for, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is just yeah. when I pull back and look again with binoculars, it, right. it becomes more apparent to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. And the, like, there's there's little things that I think you know. Like the, the bowling alley scene between you know Steve and Cosmo, I have the same. We have the same problems, I think, with it right. now that we did then. But that's okay. It's it's you know it's a scene by scene issue. Right. I feel yeah. like this is more about just how it looks, and, yeah. and it's good that it's coming to that that the characters are at least coming through. You yeah. Know? That that yeah. they're at least showing a personality, um, and now it's just about kind of fine tuning it more so than anything. Yeah. Um, and and again, for for me, the the one thing that doesn't feel fine to me and is more of a global problem is Rebecca and then specifically Rebecca's relationship with Jordan right because I feel like that needs more than just like to tweak the dialogue or you know make this adjustment that's more of like a an extra scene an extra bit of exactly Exactly. Um, maybe that's what I'll work on for next week then it's just kind of like second draft like I feel like part of me though this I feel like this needs to be sorted out at least mild to moderately in order for me to keep moving forward sure that, that makes um, sense just because it is kind of a fundamental thing where it's like mm-hmm. I mean shit man fuck you you tore down like 20 pages and rebuilt it you know what I mean so it's right. kind of like maybe I just have to find a scene or work something in there and then also keep moving forward but also you know work because if, if my first act isn't working, then, then it's just like, now I'm worried that I'm not paying off the right things or that kind of thing. But the directionlessness of it will get exacerbated and continue. Like, right. that, that's probably the biggest concern. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So what I didn't uh, talk about is what I think is working, uh-huh. which to me is like, um, I, I now feel like I have a much better sense of who Steve is, why uh-huh. I like him, why yeah. I want to see him do well. Um, if if this were just Steve's story, yeah, uh, I would be like, all right, let's let's go, you know, let's yeah. let's see where Steve goes. I I want to see this this poor guy who's been through a few things <laughs> like have have his success. Yeah, but I don't think you want it to be just Steve's story. I think right. it's Steve and Rebecca. It's right, like, like a two hander yeah. to use the the old term. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, so um, when when you have the other hand, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I think you'll have something a lot. Yeah, right now I just kind of have like a, I have a hand and I have like a paw. 
like a mint, you know what I mean? Just like undefined kind of thing right now. I wouldn't go that far, but I would say you know you got you just you got some stuff that you, you know needs needs figuring out and from I, that perspective. And I think the fucked up thing about it is that like I'm a male writer trying to write a female character. You know, it's it's obviously it's really hard. It's yeah. really hard. Yeah. You know, and I'm learning that and learning that as we go. That it's just like even even like I told you guys before. One of the things that I noticed in reading back on these pages was that like I gave Rebecca a very short introduction, and then like Steve's original introduction was way longer. And it was like right from the fucking get go. It was just like I was I was selling her short, and it's like I always found her to be the more interesting character, and just like you know, and, and the one that's kind of like pushing the story more so than anything. So it's just like frustrating that I can't get her right, you know. Here's a general question for both of you. Yeah. Does your screenwriting software have a gender analysis tool? Probably. Uh, it does not. It does not. It does not. Okay. Uh, mine does, and I check it all the time because <laughs> I'm really worried about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have more women characters with speaking lines, but more lines are spoken by male characters right. uh, in, in my screenplay. And I don't know exactly what the breakdown is because I haven't done it for the full you know, 40-some right. pages so far. But I, I um, have done it for like individual 10-page you know, sections. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I worry about it. You mm-hmm. know? It's yeah. like, and then there's little things like um, that I try to be conscious of, like, there's a scene where uh, Greg is chasing Sammy through the mall, and he passes by a power walker who's really old, uh, and then like he runs out of breath and the power walker passes him. It's a comedy moment. Um, I originally had that character's name as Dana. Dana was a was an elderly woman, and uh, everyone who shows up in the mall scenes early on, and all the coworkers and whatever are all going to show up at the end. Right. There's no one-off characters in, in hopefully the whole script, mm-hmm. but Dana. Uh, I felt like making it an older woman was playing into like a stereotype and the laugh would come from sexists going like, oh, he can't outrun an old lady. Right. Yeah. So in, in that case, I changed Dana to Dan yeah. and now it's an older man. Uh, and it's uh, now it's like, hopefully everyone will laugh at it and for the reason that I want them to laugh at it. Right. right. Rather than because they have perception of women. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, there's a... A really, really interesting interview that I heard with the creator of BoJack Horseman. Uh, his name is uh, Raphael Bob Locksberg. It's a great name. <laughs> um, Bob Locksberg is hyphenated. And there was, you know, his his primary collaborator on that show is the head animator. He's a animal. Uh, yeah, he's a woman. Yeah. Um, and there was one joke that he wrote where a character drives really really fast down a road and there's a basset hound waiting at a bus station and the basset hound's jowls like flap in the breeze (laughs) and she got him sort of the first set of like rough storyboards for that section and she had drawn the basset hound as a woman wasn't specified in the script just an a basset hound and uh there's the fridge it's great i mean the the one thing about it is that the last time we did it it seemed to make it worse Oh yeah. We unplugged it, so I'm a little worried to unplug it. But we can still. You think? It, I think we. I think we have to, honestly. And we're back. And we're back. Okay, right, so so yeah, so he he tells this great story where he looked at that storyboard and initially he said, "Oh no, like it it the basset hound shouldn't be a woman; it should be a man." And his his the head animator was like, "How come?" And he was like, "Well, because it's just a it's a really quick one off joke." And it's, it's simpler if the Basset Hound is a man. She was like, why do you think that is? <laughs> and what he realized was, you know, comedians understand correctly that the less moving parts there are to a joke, the more funny it is. Like, you, right. you want a joke to be really, really stripped down and, and simple. Yeah. And in his mind, femaleness is an add-on. <laughs> that like male is default. Male yeah. is default, and if a character is female, that's an extra quality on top of all their other stuff. It's a complication, yeah. Right, and that's obviously not true. Uh-huh. But he, I think about that story a lot as in terms of just you know that that was sort of a, a revelation he had in choosing a really good collaborator. That like, right, the joke is just as funny if it's a female basset hound as if it's a male basset hound. There's no new information there. It's yeah. the exact same amount of information. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I'm overthinking it. Well, <laughs> no, I don't. I honestly don't think so. I, I feel like that 
we 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 as male writers need to be conscious of it, especially in today's time. Yeah. I mean, not not to bring in like the in, in this day and age, goddamn it, right. you know, we can't be ourselves or some shit like that. But it's like, yeah, honest to god, truth is the last thing I want is like a woman to read this and be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, it's it's it's. I think, you know, fortunately, people are becoming more aware of this. Stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the, the lesson I took from the, the BoJack Horseman story is it's really easy to do something that obviously has some problems to it if you aren't being thoughtful. So yeah, I, think yeah. it's, I think it's really good to, to be thinking about it. Like, yeah. I, my, my rule is by default, 50% of the characters have to be female. For every male character. I think quotas are scary to me. Uh, Affirmative action? I think, well, no, I think that the... I mean, in an ideal, perfect world, your characters would be whatever gender that they are, right. and it wouldn't concern you uh, how how it shook out. Right. But that's not really the world we live in. We, yeah. we live in a world where we have to work to be inclusive. Right. Um, but at the same time, like quotas are just scary to me. Like I, I'm always worried about being tokenist or right. about yeah. like insisting on something that shouldn't. That that doesn't come from the story, you know. Right. Well, it's it's interesting that you say that's not the world we live in. My my rationale for having fifty percent of my characters be female is the world we live in is very much fifty percent female. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, a little bit more than fifty percent. Well, by not the world we live in, I meant we don't live in a world where people can't think about these things. Yeah. Totally. So for me, it's not like you know it's it's something that i want to be thoughtful about and i got a lot of feedback from my wife when i was coming up with the characters about like 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 you don't want to have half of the characters be female and it's all of the cowards like <laughs> like that's obviously that doesn't solve anything yeah it's and i and i want the characters that are female to be uh influenced by and have their being female be an important part of who they are that is informative if there is a character who has where it truly does not matter at all. Like, for example, the person playing the harp at the pool in the manor. It super does not matter if that character is male or female. I just go every other. Oh, yeah. For stuff like that. Like, the the doctor who looks at Margot's arm is female because the butler was male. Because (laughs) the housekeeper was female. Because I'm like, I have absolutely no metric for like like it's it just they just these these characters in the story for like two scenes and then they're gone it they're there's they're not there's it's never gonna come up and it really truly could just be like i don't know just find a good actor yeah who's gonna have fun with their 12 lines or whatever it is right. or two lines or one line or no lines so when it when it's a situation like that i'm just like every other from, there's one character so far in my script who has lines, but who does not have a specified gender that I think is important in some way. Right. And that's a, that's an option in Highland, is you can choose unspecified as, as a gender. Interesting. And that's also the default. It doesn't try to read the name and guess what the gender is. It just, you know, right. yeah. has unspecified. And that one character who's unspecified is the Shakey's employee. Uh-huh. The person yeah. who uh, is sweeping outside of Shakey's when uh-huh. Sammy's watching the... News report, and then later Sammy goes to Shakey's for some. He tries to get like some something salty, and right. the Shakey's employee's like, "We've got uh, we've, we've got cauliflower rice. That's yeah. close. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. We got, yeah. saline, we got saline, saline solution. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, in in cases like that, I try to keep it actually gender neutral, and that's pretty tough. It's, yeah. it's like you have to write around pronouns because yeah. English is dumb and doesn't like they is just. People still aren't used to using that for a singular person, even though like right. we've been using it colloquially for forever. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's you know definitely important to think about uh, is to consider the role that your voice has on something because there's always yeah. like it's it's to me there's there's the whirlpool and there's the hydra right on either side on one side it's um, not being inclusive mm-hmm. and on the other side it's telling a story that is not your story to tell. Right. right. Like, I should not write Straight out of Compton or Lady Bird or movies like that. Like, those yeah. are not my story. Max Landis should not write a girl power superhero movie. <laughs> yeah, Lena Dunham should not write the uh, the Syrian refugee movie, I think is the one that she got hired to do. Yep. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, it's, it's a bad, bad choice. Bad. Lexi Alexander exists. Yeah. But, yeah. so there's, there's that, and then there's, on the other side, it's like, well, okay, so I guess I'm just going to write 
uh, there's movies where everyone is a white cis male, you know? And yeah. it's just, it, that, it's not good either. Yeah, for, for me, I feel like when it comes to, like, the themes and the, you know, the content of the story, it's probably better to write about stuff that you're familiar with and have experience with. You've been sucked into a dream world I've for been, years and years. It's true. I call it 11th grade. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, but also none of us live in a world like we all have experienced other people yeah and so i think that like whenever i see a movie where it's just white dudes i'm like this isn't your experience like whoever wrote this movie that isn't what your life is like what you, do you mean all their names are colors and they're robbing a bank what is this <laughs> yeah exactly like you made that up because you weren't interested like like you see all these other people who aren't in your movie you're just not interested in them yeah so i feel like yeah like if i we, we talked about this in an, in an i don't even remember if we were recording but like a movie that i think would be really really good and i've always thought about this would be a biopic of the algonquian chieftain poetan yeah that's right yeah, yeah. i think that would be an awesome movie and i super fucking don't want to write that like there's a thousand reasons why i should not be the person to write that movie (laughs) um like at most i could co-write that and take on like more of a research and like notes role with you know a native person (laughs) who like you know like yeah so i shouldn't write the poet dan movie but it's fine for me to have people that don't look and sound exactly like me in, in my story, I feel. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's sort of the, the avoiding Sela and Charybdis. And I feel like, you know, Scylla and Charybdis are pretty far apart from each other, yeah. you know? It's not like, well, i got to walk a tightrope now. This is yeah. bullshit. It's yeah. just like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of open water there. You just got to know that the Hydra is there yeah. and that the Whirlpool is there. No, they're both bad. Yes. Yeah. 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 Kind of remain. Like, I think... I, I, having color in my movie is another problem, like, in, in my script. Like, I've, I've shied away from mentioning race. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, White Fragility. Um, <laughs> we read a book called White Fragility. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, but, it's a pretty good book to read if you're white. Yeah. <laughs> Troubling. Five out of five. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I've just decided to, instead of, like, trying to be like, this is a black guy, this is an Indian man, this mm-hmm. is, I, I just went with not putting that in there because like i've always felt like when i when i made graceland my short film i didn't do a casting call based on what i wanted like Mm -hmm. what i envisioned the character to look like my my first initial casting calls were open Mm -hmm. like anybody in that age range because i I just wanted to be surprised yeah um and it's just kind of the same thing now where it's like it doesn't matter what they look like as long as they're capable you know um, yeah, it, this is this is an interesting question which I have thought about and and I don't really know what the right answer is but I I feel like just I, I've the reason I've made the choice that I've made is just because of my circumstances which is yeah. like if my screenplay was in a pipeline to be produced which it isn't it would be really important for me to think about the issue of do you specify race yeah because on the one hand. You know, you, you, like, any any of the characters in this movie could be played by people of color. Yeah. And I think that there's lots and lots of people of color who would do really interesting work. Yeah. And it would be a shame to exclude those people from, from the idea of being cast as Victoria yeah. or Flora. On the other hand, I, I don't think it's any, like, big secret that if you don't specify race and generally it all ends up being white people yeah like, like no that's it, the other problem is it's like that's that's the default on the binary yeah you know? and the i really is not important for me to worry about that because no casting director is looking at this yeah exactly but if a casting director was looking at it and and i wasn't in the room like mm-hmm. usually screenwriters are not in the room once a casting director is involved usually yeah. the screenplay is handed off by that point that's a that's a tough choice. Like you have to think about that, and yeah. I think I don't know. The, the only the only like 
solution I can think of in that hypothetical situation that I'm in, I don't think any of us are in would be like show the screenplay to a lot of people of color and be like, which characters would you like? <laughs> <laughs> which ones do you like the most? Yeah. We'll make them you. Choose, choose some of these. <laughs> Not the main one, though. That's yeah. got to be a white it's gotta, person. It's got to be a white person. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's interesting because, like, with, with my screenplay, I've always pictured several of the major characters as being people of color. Uh, Sammy, in my mind, is is not white. Really? Uh, she, I, she could be, but I don't. That's not how I've seen her in my head. And uh, Miguel and Hector yeah. and uh, uh, Yuri, obviously. That one like plays a little bit uh, about Fresh. stereotypes of Asian American women. Um, but uh, so all those characters, and also some of um, Greg's coworkers, I pictured as being people of color, but. I didn't specify that, and now I'm kind of thinking, like, if I specify it, am I tokenizing these characters, or if I specify it, am I giving the opportunity for uh, a casting director, whoever, anyone who would read this, to place a character in mind, or place an actor in mind for a character, yeah. you know? Uh, like, the only ones that are very clearly non-white characters are uh, in the training scene, uh, Yuri, the Asian-American woman, and Miguel who, um, I don't know if I used the, the name Terry Crews in there, you did, but yeah. I did, okay. Yeah. Uh, but I, it, I think that it's clear, like, his name is Miguel, and it says, look like Terry Crews, right. so, you know, it, yeah. it gives you an idea of, of what I'm thinking of. But um, maybe this is all, a, like, too intensive of a discussion for right now. Yeah. But, well, uh, it's, it's worth having, either way. I think it's definitely worth having, and, and I, you know, since at the, as of this point, no casting directors are involved, I think you don't need to worry about it too yeah. much. Yeah. But I think it's just important to remember that if a casting director was involved, this would be extremely important to, <laughs> yeah. to remember. I, I, think, I think part of it, too, goes back to it's all in the name, you know, where it's like so many, there are so many ways that, like, you can describe race without describing race. Like, one of them is names, you know. Yeah. And it's like that at least when you have, like, a cultural name, it's obviously like someone named Miguel is not going to be like a white guy. Well, maybe. Yeah. You could be just from Colombia. <laughs> hey. It's funny because I'm from Colombia and I'm the whitest person to ever live. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyhow, it's it's we, we got we got a couple minutes left, and uh, I guess I think the one one thing to touch on is like I don't want to speak for everyone here. I know that me personally, this was a pretty unproductive week. Uh, it was kind of a bummer, and I think that. Like, if you're writing something that takes longer than two weeks to write, it's kind of inevitable that there are going to be unproductive weeks and there are going to be bummer weeks. Like, that's yeah. that's part of a three-month span yeah. is some weeks that are bummers. And I don't know. That's It's something to grapple with. And, and I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, where we're at with that and how we've been doing and how we... What, what, do, you, what do you do when... Yeah, what do you do in... Yeah. What do you do when it's hard to write? <laughs> it, I think for me, it's just been more of a time constraints thing, mm-hmm. where I'm either working or I'm tired or I'm asleep. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's kind of been my three modes lately, and just kind of like finding the time to sit down and do it when I'm not fucking pooped. Right. You know. Um, but the and it's just like and when when that starts to happen and you start to go three days, four days, five days between writing it just kind of compounds, you know, because you start to lose that, like, tether to your creativity, and you have to, like, work harder just to get back to where you were, and it's, I find it really frustrating, because, like, then when you finally sit down to write, at least for me, it's just like, fuck, I'm so, I'm so far away from, from any sort of creative mindset right now, and I just have to, like, write my way back to that, you know, just keep, keep journaling until I hit that moment, hit that point, yeah. and I just, I haven't had the time to sit down and fucking get back into it, um, but I've got some time coming off, time off coming mm-hmm. um, this this weekend, so I'll be able to get some writing done, and I think my goal is to get further. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to I, uh, I want to be able to keep going with the story, but also try and fix the stuff that's been going on, and just kind of like send out two separate documents, like the scene that I'm adding and the scenes that are furthering the story. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been in a similar situation where 
like I'm I'm writing new pages, but also it's like I realized uh, it doesn't it doesn't make sense for the guy to be a spider. So he's not a spider anymore. <laughs> or like I realized the temple should be really big now. Yeah, it should be, it needs to be the biggest building in the city. So I have to change that. And at least for me, my my thinking is like. I'm just gonna send the new pages, and if, yeah. and if something is confusing, I can ex- I can explain. Yeah, if it's yeah. like, wasn't he a spider before? <laughs> I could have sworn, um, and just sort of accept, like, you know, it's just part of it. Like, part of my process is constantly going back to like a scene thirty, forty pages ago, and be like, change a little thing to, yeah, make, yeah. to to set up the thing that I just thought of in the scene I'm trying to yeah, write. Yeah, exactly. Like, and yeah. That's just sort of part of what I'm doing, and I just like I, I just can't expect you guys to yeah. be rereading through everything. Like, there's two lines of dialogue that are different now, <laughs> and in the description, I don't say he's a spider anymore. I, but I think that that's why this week was good to just kind of like take a step back, mm-hmm. see what see what we've done so far with the pages, and like what surprises there were. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's uh, I, I'm looking at my my folder that I'm keeping all my drafts in, and I have not saved a new draft in nine days yeah exactly that's not great no. <laughs> you only have so many days yeah you know and like the thing about hitting a wall yeah. is that you can't say it's a wall and I just did so mm-hmm. I fucked up already <laughs> but it's like you gotta mentally you know say like okay I'm at this point I need to get to this point uh, I have to get half the distance yeah and then I have to get half the distance of that half the distance of that you know yeah um, and as I've mentioned before, I write every single day for work. It's my job. Uh, so I know I can physically do it. Yeah. It's just like I get home and then the NBA playoffs or Game of Thrones or some movie is on. And I'm like, I would much rather do this than do like the work of putting myself back into this world and you know consuming my energy, what little of it I have left on, or spending my energy, what little of it I have left on this. And I just need to kind of prioritize better, you know? Um, I'm, I'm going to have time, hopefully this weekend, to write some stuff. And I found that, like, when I set aside the time and I say, okay, I need to do this at this time, then I can knock out 10 or 12 pages. Not yeah. that huge of a problem. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's like, I don't... It's just finding the, the little moments, the little half hour on a Thursday. Yeah. That's what's been tough for me. Right. Yeah. Um, and I hope I can, you know, like, like, like Evan said, it's, it's like if you put down a video game for a long time and then come back to it, you have to kind of relearn the mechanics and the tutorial was 20 hours ago. <laughs> and you're like, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. How do I jump? Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. And I, 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 I have to get back into the world before I forget who all the characters are and what their voices sound like. Yeah. yeah. So. I feel like it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm the only full-time freelancer in the room and in the past couple months I haven't worked on that many Mondays and Tuesdays the vast majority of the writing I've done has been in the two days after the recording of the podcast Hmm. when like I've just got notes (laughs) I've just gotten feedback I'm like it's kind of it's in my head and I'm like on the in the weeks when I haven't done that like this week when I was, I was busy. It's it's a lot more difficult to get the steam going, yeah. and the you know I, I definitely feel like as like as long as just making any progress is always better. That like it's a snowball. It, it, exactly. If you make a little, you can make a little more. Yeah. yeah. For me, I always start in the journal, and yeah. or usually what I do is I open the document, I go to the next scene I'm supposed to write, and I go. <laughs> maybe maybe write a description of the room they're in and go like maybe the, that's the, nothing just turn into Pino and Buzz Burgers yeah so. and, and then um, a thing which I have never done before this project that I've started doing and I've had luck with is I I, I just I'll, I'll write an outline for whatever the next three scenes are and just bullet points I'll, I'll just sort of do like a journal like what am i trying to get done what needs to happen here and then i'll once i feel like i've, I've journaled so much that i completely get it 
Yeah. I understand everything there is to get about this scene. And then you realize you're procrastinating. Then I'll I'll do the outline. I'll always write so colon, and then do the outline, and then after and then and my my instinct is always okay, great, you did it, you proved it, now go type it. And what I've realized is that what I then need to do is read the outline I just wrote, journal about that, and I I've, I've been making a list of like what do I like about this. What are the problems that I can see with this? And yeah. I'll, I'll do like three or four outlines back to back really quickly, like in you know fifteen minutes or something. Like da 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 da. Okay, this is good. She has something to do. He doesn't really. He's not really doing anything for these three scenes. He's just kind of standing in the background. Okay, what's something he could do? He could do this. Okay, new outline. Da 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 da. Try again and and just doing it really shitty and quickly yeah. and doing a couple of them in a row has been helpful. I do something like that. Except I don't write any of it down. Right. I just torture myself mentally. <laughs> <laughs> like, when I sit down to write a scene, I'm like, okay, I, I, I know that this is what the next scene is. I'll write interior whatever, exterior whatever. I'll write like a couple words. I'll look back at whatever my paragraph outline was for it that I wrote a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. And then I'll go, well, that doesn't work. <laughs> and I'll just stare at the page for like five minutes just thinking like, yeah. How could I make the scene work in a way that gets from the A of the previous scene to the B of the next scene? And then I just stare <laughs> like, yeah. like a psychopath. <laughs> and then I just go, okay. And then I hit sprint and then I start writing. And then I'm like, now I need to go back. And then I'm like, but I'm in the sprint, so I have to finish it. So then I just keep writing and then the sprint is over. And then I'm like, ah, what, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me when I take a poop. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just wait and then the sprint happens and then... when you're when you're taking a poop you realize that halfway through you've made a terrible mistake but you just you have to finish what you start <laughs> you just look at your watch and you're like oh no work is in 10 minutes ago <laughs> um yeah for, for me the, the the pattern which i've discovered about myself is that when i do the when it when it's in my brain it's just it's just too it's so confu- everything is so confused in there when i'm just thinking about it there's so little clarity that what I if I don't physically write it down, what ends up happening is I'm just sort of sitting there waiting to get excited about anything. And then as soon as I get excited about something, that ends up being the scene. And usually what ends up, I look back and I'm like, that wasn't what the movie was about. <laughs> it's just a cool thing I thought of on Thursday when I was trying to type this. Yeah. That's, that's why I, I have to, as of this point, like... Yeah. Don't get me wrong, that's a much better idea than what I'm doing. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, it, it, it would be for me, I, we write very differently. Yeah, I, I, like, I, don't, I don't necessarily know that having this thing, I'm holding my journal for those of you at home, uh, would be helpful for you. Like, I'd, uh, I guess the last thing I'll say for tonight is, um, uh, have you guys ever heard the, uh, the old apocryphal, possibly, anecdote of Einstein's desk. I haven't. Uh, apparently, Einstein got a new maid or something. I don't know how true this is, but I've heard mm-hmm. Einstein got a new maid or something, and she was so frustrated because Einstein was like, don't touch the papers on my desk. And the maid was like, but that's where the most mess is. That's where... <laughs> it's, it's total not... Like, it's just... There's shit thrown everywhere. There's paper over here, paper over there. They have no connection to one another. And... Uh, your, your desk is like the messiest thing in the world. And then Einstein points at his head and goes, imagine what it's like in here. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know that famous Einstein quote, which is like, uh, smart people never need to memorize anything that they can look up easily. I didn't know that, but... It's, it's, it was like, it's, like a, it's a quote that gets like put on a lot of posters and whatnot. Like, you know... It, or he said he said it's foolish to memorize anything that could be easily looked up, and I'd heard that quote for years and years, and, and always sort of thought of it as like a very like kind of lofty like listen, you know, it's like it's like a it was like a philosophy, you know, it's like it's like what Mao said about teacher like like students should fall asleep in classes because uh, boring teachers don't deserve the attention. That's sort of how I, I categorize that Einstein quote, and I later realized. The context for that quote was he was like angrily shouting at a reporter. <laughs> like he was being interviewed by someone and they were like, for some, there was some reason they needed to know his address. And he was like, okay. And he's like, he's like, let me look it up. And he like pulled out his wallet and he's like looking through to find out what his address was. And they're like, 
fuck is wrong with you? You don't know your address? They're, they're just like roasting him. And it was like a totally defensive. He was like, it's stupid to memorize anything you can look up easily. So in a way, like I'm smarter than you. For not like, he was just like embarrassed in a room full of like, and it's like, I've seen it on like posters and yeah. t-shirts. And it's like, no, he just, he just got embarrassed in front of a bunch of people. And like, <laughs> and the reporters are like, hey, Einstein, what is E equal? And he's like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Let me look it up. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, Last thing about just just the 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 proverbial wall. I feel like, at least for me, getting really angry at myself that I'm not writing more is extremely unhelpful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, if the goal was ten pages in an outline and the goal needs to be one page. Like, one page is better than zero pages, yeah. and, like, stupid, 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 <laughs> can't, can't, not writing anything today. I feel like it's a lot more likely to land you zero pages than one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Be kind to yourselves. Okay. Just um, a last thing, real quick, what's our goal for the week? Uh, are, uh, great question. I'll be done with Act 2. Okay. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm just going to write some stuff. Sounds good. I'm going to also just write some stuff. Pray that it gets longer. You know. That's what she said. <laughs> Damn it! Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. I, uh...